welcome back to the uh, first <laughs> installment of My Father Before Me. I'm your host, Brennan Sam. Joining me, as usual, is My Father. Hello. Was Willow our first one? I think so. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, at least. Well, there you go. We're if not, back. <laughs> I've been thinking, thinking about the whole show wrong. Um, before we get into the meat of the episode, I want to say that we now have an Amazon affiliate link. So we get a, a small commission of any purchases you make at no extra cost to you. And that can be found at the Beacons page in our uh, the bio of our Instagram. And it will be the top link there with the big Amazon smiley face. Um, so that link is beacons.ai slash newwavenerds. And uh, any purchases you make from Amazon, go ahead and click that link first. You know what? The first thing I'm going to go look for is the Blu-ray version of the series Willow. Because we <laughs> might be able to get the whole series now. So. Oh, I don't know. I don't By know. The complete series on Blu-ray through the affiliate link. <laughs> uh, so yes, what are we? We're going to be talking about Willow, right? That's right. So just to, we kind of mentioned it back when we did Willow, uh, our first episode, the the original movie that has a lot of nostalgia for me and something I watched a lot. And uh, at the time, we had discussed that the Willow show was coming out, so we thought it might be fun just to, uh, well, to watch it. And then go back and do it. I'm gonna. I was gonna watch it anyways. I can guarantee you. But I thought uh, it might be fun just to uh, compare it to the original and uh, see see how how it did. <laughs> yes. Um, so non spoiler, since that that's how we normally do current reviews. Um, what were your thoughts? Uh, I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, so let me start by saying, and, uh, there might be a few people who get this, uh, but a few years ago, MTV did a series, um, I believe it was the Shannara Chronicles based off that series of books. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing trailers for that. And what they did, and of course I'm a, you know, a sucker for anything fantasy, Game of Thrones, Dungeons and Dragons, all that kind of thing. So I was in on it and I was watching it, but, but what they were trying to do, and I don't know if this was the MTV side of things or what, but they were trying to make a, you know, as an old man, it's a younger, hipper version of a fantasy type of thing. Right. And, um, that didn't quite fly for me. Uh, it, it, it just, <laughs> It doesn't have the right tone. It didn't quite work. And I don't think that series made it. It might have made it two seasons. I don't think it made it past that. Um, But that's the vibe I get from this Willow installment. Like they're trying to do something like that. Trying to make a modern take on fantasy. But it just did not quite. uh, Didn't quite land for me, I guess, is what I'm going to what I can say. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, It did go for two seasons. The Shannara Chronicles. Um, but yeah, so I think the, the easiest way to describe my feelings about this show is that it did, uh, everything I wanted it to in the worst way possible. It obviously, I mean, we talked about when we did the, uh, the original movie, I really liked the universe and I wanted to see that expanded out and that this series definitely did that. There was a lot more, um, more of the the universe there i mean we obviously got to see more of the 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 bad guys um and then the the other faction and even a little bit of the other kingdoms but it was just (laughs) god awful it was definitely they were trying to build on the world and i will say um what i read and i wasn't aware of it but there was a willow role-playing game really and um 
there was a series of books or, or some other s- supplemental novels or something that were written that uh, the creator, the Kasdan was his name, uh, tried to base everything, tried, tried, to, tried to stick with that because he was into those things when he was young. Uh, now I'll say that, um, what I heard and I actually, uh, you know, last time I went to that bookstore, I found that there was a sequel novel. Um, and now I, I hear it's a series written by Chris, Chris Claremont and George Lucas. And he specifically called that out when he, in his interview, uh, that Kasdan did and said that, uh, those stories are tangential. So he's not going with whatever's in those books. And I have yet to read those books. I, I got one. Um, I started reading it and haven't got around to it. Been busy. Um, so I'm kind of nervous. That makes me a little bit nervous. I was looking forward to reading the Claremont novels because I like Chris Claremont. You know, what he did for the X-Men was cool. Uh, but, um, you know, what he did in this, it does kind of feel like a uh, uh, an adventure that didn't quite get planned out or or let's just do some fun cool things i don't know it just it just didn't land for me i guess yeah yeah no you're right they definitely had no idea like i i felt like they didn't know who their target audience was because you're right about the the comparison to the shinara chronicles it felt like a very this was supposed to appeal to like the children of the parents who'd, who'd seen the original show. Um, and it just, I, th- I think it fell flat in every way because all the dialogue was awful. <laughs> now, that being said, I'm a little biased because very few things irritate me more than when you're in a high fantasy setting and you use modern dialogue. Right. Um, but even apart from that, like the, the conversations between these characters was just ridiculous preposterous in every way <laughs> it didn't yeah it, it just didn't and, and the tone was off i felt because sometimes i felt like they're trying to do this drama and sometimes they were trying to do comedy and and whatever way the comedy just wasn't landing you know um borman the the big dude i mean he yeah. had some fun lines in there and stuff but it, it almost felt like they were forcing it like i know in the finale which uh spoiler alert i just watched last night because i just couldn't get myself to watch the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of his lines was, uh, he's going in to uh, hold off the bad guys by himself. And he says, okay, who brought the butter? And I'm like, <laughs> what does that I, even I, mean? I don't understand. I don't understand that concept. So, yeah. So I, that wasn't quite, like I say, there was some things not quite landing with me. Although there, you know, there was some decent, decent things with it. But Yeah. That butter line really threw me off because it was immediately after a one liner that did kind of work because he was like, I'm going out of this world the same way I came in, butt naked and kicking ass. <laughs> right. And then who brought the butter? I don't know <laughs> where that quite. Yeah. I don't know. It was definitely, like I say, the tone of it wasn't quite right. They were trying to, it had a little bit of the, you know, what I complain about sometimes in prequels is that everything connects. Every, everything in this one movie leads up to why he's this way. Right. right? You know, so we talked about it in Solo. We even talk about it in the um, uh, one of the better Indiana Jones movies, the, uh, um, the Holy Grail. Right, because at the beginning of that, he gets his whip, he right. gets his scar on his chin, he gets his hat, all in one little ten-minute adventure. Right, um, this went the other way in that everybody in this group. Now, obviously, we knew Alora Dannon was going to be the the um, blonde lady, sure. Which 
that was kind of different. But then <laughs> everybody was connected to somebody. In the, it, was, it was the small world syndrome, right? Yeah. Um, the uh, um, actress from um, Falcon Winter Soldier that you like. Yeah. Um, she was connected to the dude wearing the skull mask. Yeah, and General the, you Kale. Know, and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, there's just so many connections to everything. And then there were other connections that I felt could have uh, done more, you know, with uh, Borman again, you know, he's talking about his uh, connections and his past and that, that sort of thing. But they just kind of, he kept making hints as one-liners, but then it kind of dropped off. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Willow coming in and <laughs> I don't know, it just, like I say, it, it, this will be my recurring statement. It just didn't land for me. How for sure. That? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> um, what am I like? What something that I kept thinking literally in every single scene was, "Oh my god, these characters are so horribly one-sided. Like none of them have any depth. Like especially Borman. That one made me really mad because as soon as they first introduced the fact that he was the squire for Mad Mardigan, I was like, oh, "Okay, we're gonna get some development here. You know, something's gonna come of this. Maybe there's gonna be some tension." And there was tension for like three minutes throughout the whole rest of the series. Right. And, you know, you could have done something when they found uh, Christian Slater's character. Uh, you know, he had that connection as well, you know, and stuff. So I felt like they could have done more. But then again, it just didn't quite land again because it didn't quite they didn't do anything with it. Right. There was some and maybe they did. And maybe I lost interest. Maybe, <laughs> uh, that could have been the case. But uh, no, it, it, that whole bit. I feel like they could have done more with. I would have liked to have seen more of him, you know, and stuff. I thought he did a fun job, um, but he was just always kind of just along for the ride. Yeah, they distilled him down to just the comedic relief and cheesy one-liners. Right, yeah. And ev and, and again, it was like every time he's going to say something, it's going to be something funny or off, Yeah. right? So he never has any real lines, you know? I mean... You think of uh, if you're going for a if you're going for a comedy, go for a comedy. If you're going for a drama, then back off on that a little bit. You know, at least have your you know your characters can say things like that. Han Solo, you know, which in the uh, behind the scenes they they kind of mention he he kind of mentions the Han Solo the um, Indiana Jones that he wanted to play off of right right the scoundrel those kind of characters. Even then, they had normal lines, too. Not every line was this rogue scoundrel line, yeah. you know, and stuff. So Yeah, and I think, again, part of that is because Star Wars, you know, it wasn't, and Indiana Jones, they weren't comedies. They, they were dramas with a little bit of comedic relief here and there. I feel like if they had gone that route with this show, a whole lot of my criticism would just be gone. Right. Because my, almost... <laughs> my major issue in this show is just the fact that the dialogue is horrible because everybody is just trying to make these stupid jokes. Right. You know, everybody's trying to, it's, it's modern dialogue. There's even one part where Kit, the, uh, Sorsha's daughter is like, they're, I don't even remember what's going on, but they're talking and, oh, it's when they get kidnapped by the bone reavers and, um, the, the bone reaver queen lady, tribal leader i don't know what her title is but yeah. she's like says something about borman and kit's like we all want to leave you can have borman because he's like the worst <laughs> like oh my god do you yeah. really that was just unbearable you know and that's 
<clears throat> again, I think when you say, you know, I don't know who they're marketing to. If they're marketing to the kids of the people who uh, watch the movie, that's you, right? Right. I feel like it's even slightly younger than that. It's yeah. You and slightly younger than that, maybe. Good point. Um, and they're trying to say this is the way it it would have felt. You know, so one of the things, and I don't know if you've ever watched it. Maybe this is one we should put on the list. It's not necessarily one for my youth, but there was a movie with um, um, Heath Ledger called A Knight's Tale. Right, I do, I do remember seeing that one. That was a good one. And it was, you know, it was all about a knight jousting. And, of course, you know, it, it's a feel-good movie at the end. Uh, he he be, He's a common person who becomes a knight, blah, blah, blah. Throughout the movie, there are things where they're doing that, right? They're doing the common stuff. In fact, all the music, they actually... There's one dance scene where, you know, you think of a traditional... Uh, fantasy dance scene would be this harpsichord music playing and they do right. their weird dance and stuff well during that scene they actually play david bowie and i remember watching some of the behind the scenes for that movie and the the director mentioned he says you know we wanted it to be like at this time they would be listening to music these young people would be listening to music that are kind of rebels against their establishment Right. So we use David Bowie to make you feel that. Right. And you know what? That movie kind of made it work because it didn't do everything. It wasn't a modern movie set in the past. It was they used those kind of cues just to be an indicator of things. This here was just, I mean, they did um, the song that was at the end was Dire Straits Money for Nothing. <laughs> that talks about yeah. delivering microwave ovens. Now, yeah. I just don't understand that choice. <laughs> I mean, then they had some music choices, which granted the songs were good because they were speaking. Those songs that they picked were kind of speaking to my age. Um, A lot of them were covers and stuff, too. But even in the middle of the episode, they had a song which I immediately recognized as a a recent song that was a cover. And I'm like, this just isn't quite working. Yeah. Those choices just kind of did not quite work in the show. And again, it's because of that tone. They're trying to set a tone and it didn't didn't work. Maybe it maybe it didn't land. I don't know. Critical reviews aren't the best. They're not getting the best scores. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so um, hopefully we're justified, but we'll see. Yeah, it's 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 weird. There it's it's a weird merging of like the high fantasy <clears throat> with the sort of like teenage style high school drama it's weird all of the interrelations between the people all of the dialogue all of the back and forth and then the music every single time any bit of music came up it instantly pulled me out like i mean and you're right some of the music was good like one of the songs over the credits was a cover of black hole sun that i was like this is actually really good yeah they i i wouldn't mind the soundtrack (laughs) yeah but the way it was used yeah it it just isn't uh, isn't going to fit. And like I said, there are reasons to do that, but you know, we think of game of Thrones, um, you know, those, there were teenage actors put in uh, situations where they had to grow up. Right. But they didn't do it trying to relate to modern teens. Right. You right. know what I mean? It wasn't about that. It was about their time, you know, and stuff and, and that kind of thing. So it, um, yeah, that whole tone just didn't, didn't quite fly with me. And, and, um, I do think you know, I will say, um, if you if you want to see, I, at first I, as I was watching the show, I was thinking, well, maybe these actors aren't the best. You know, maybe they spend all their money on Willow, yeah, and uh, you know, getting the the job done with Ron Howard and stuff, and and paying for all that stuff. Maybe they didn't get the best actors. Um, you know, we like uh, uh, the actress from 
uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. I keep um, forgetting her name. Aaron Kellyman. That's Kellyman. And um, but one thing that made me think differently about that is watching the behind the scenes. There's actually real good acting <laughs> because <laughs> oh, good. they do this whole bit where Warwick Davis is a is a terror on the set, you know, and stuff. And all the actors are really believable. Now maybe it, maybe there's a little bit of truth there, but it is kind of fun. The the behind the scenes thing, and it's on Disney Plus too, is actually really cool. It, it it's fun. It made me want to go back and watch the show, even though I realized <laughs> immediately, no, I don't want to do that. That's so funny. But it it is it kind of interesting. So yeah, no, I I mean obviously I talk I've talked about Aaron and Kellerman before. I think she's great. I mean she was incredible in Falcon and Winter Soldier. She felt really believable in human as a villain in that but in this she is the the character she plays jade is one of the few people throughout the whole film or the whole series who i was like okay this is actually a good person some other people like kit (laughs) are just the worst people to ever walk the earth she is horrible from jump and she never really gets better yeah it just doesn't uh it doesn't have any growth i mean she's and she feels like she's back and forth about her dad, you know. And, of course, she's Mad Mardigan's uh, daughter, you right. know, and stuff. So it feels back and forth. It feels like it's not working. And, um, yeah, one minute she hates it and one minute she wants to be. I don't know. It just didn't quite feel like anything. And then at the end she gets the magical armor, you know. That's the D&D side of things. That was actually all right, um, you know, and that sort of thing. But. Yeah, I just didn't see the uh, the growth of the character at all. Yeah, well, yeah, that's because there was... <laughs> she was just horrible, and then at some point, I don't even know what happened, but eventually she was like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with Alora now. Yeah, it like, took him... Um, yeah, it's, it's like we get to the end of the world, and now I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, and, and there was there was literally no depth. I mean, if she's a terrible person, but they sort of do the work to explain her reasoning or or show a little bit of her backstory or anything then that's actually okay i may not like her as a character but it's good for the show in this she just spends literally the first six seven episodes just being just a horrible person right (laughs) making i mean she's trying to kill her friends she doesn't even care she's not trying to save anybody i mean and i get that a, a lot of that is because her brother Eric, or Eric, everybody calls him Eric, but it's Eric, <laughs> um, because he's taken away. And I could see if they had put in a little bit of effort to make it be like, oh, she's not really a horrible person. She's just so caught up in trying to save her brother. Then I would have liked her a little bit more. But no, from the get go, her very first scene, she's just a horrible person. <laughs> right. And, you know, they could have done more, you know, to. <clears throat> they could have shown not told a little bit about her you know her feeling of abandonment because he left right yeah and stuff but all it was was all of a sudden she'd have an explosive argument about it you know why'd he leave you know and that kind of thing but it's like there's nothing to that right, right. it didn't feel it didn't feel genuine and, and again you, you get into thing um that a lot of shoes do where they have drama for drama's sake you know, right. in the real world, I don't think you would get these places where people wouldn't say something just because they want to save it for next episode, you know, or, or something like that. Or, or you know, keeping secrets when you're on a team trying to do something just doesn't fly. Right. right? So that's when, when that gets to be too much, then I kind of check out, right? Because if there's too much of the, 
oh, I don't know, and, you know, or anything like that. And then uh, three episodes later, all it is is they reveal whatever it was that was bugging, bugging them. Then, you know, that's not how it works. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and your drama for drama's sake, like, <laughs> there, I find it hard to believe that anybody in these situations would be talking about these things in the time and place that they're happening. Like when they, um, when they meet the, the, the Christian Slater character, Alagash, uh, and then they finally get the Chimerian curious, you know, they're, they're underneath in like this weird frozen lake of evilness. <laughs> and Kit chooses that time to be like, why did my dad choose you over me? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I get that it's probably a really, I, I would understand that feeling. And, um, if you were in that situation, I'm sure you would be taken aback as well. But I think anybody would have enough sense to be like, this can wait 30 seconds until we get through the hole right. out of the collapsing cave. Right. And, you know, I think that that, uh, you know, they were trying to say something about that little pool or whatever, where they're talking about the, the worm and stuff. You know, they're leading into future seasons that right. may or may not happen. Um, and... uh I think that that whole scene, yeah, they're, you know, because when she goes underwater, she kind of connects with her brother a little bit and stuff. And, and they just didn't quite explain that the best, I guess, or maybe they did again and I just didn't yeah. notice it. But it was, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that there was a lot of cohesiveness to it. It felt like, you know, and that one, you know, one of the things that I liked, uh, of course I would, is when they go into the castle where the big battle at the end of Willow happens, you know, and they're seeing the visions and stuff. That was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, and the, and they talk about it in the, um, you know, the behind the scenes, how they tried to recreate the whole place. Although at the time, you know, they said this, this DS that they're standing on was just a, a big stone and everything else was a big map painting around them. And here they built the whole set, you know, and, and stuff. And, and you can tell they definitely spent money on, you know, set design and that sort of thing, especially behind the scenes when they're talking about the troll cave, that's an actual maze they're running. They've built the whole thing, you know, and stuff. So it's pretty interesting the way they do all that. But, uh, so they, they spent some money on it and I thought that it looked good. You know, the creature effects, the, um, the bad guys, you know, granted they, he has a, a cage on his head for some reason. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why just Didn't to look creepy, it. I guess. But, um, but like you say, I mean, those, that's a, an aspect of world building that is probably in the RPG that um, right the the uh, tabletop game that he was mentioning or something that he's building off of because when you're building a tabletop game you have to build all that background setup yeah it just felt disconnected it felt like okay this episode we got to go here and this episode we got to go here and this episode for some reason we're on a boat that's pulled by this creature that we just decided to let go because he was sad. Yeah, I think, you know, and yeah, because he was depressed. Yeah, <laughs> just that was so that reason. we can have an episode where we're all walking real aimlessly lost and can have the conversation, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I get like, they half explained that they half explained it because <laughs> he, he was like, he was depressed. And then afterwards, everybody was like, or Alora was like, Willow, you said we have to walk. So that's why we haven't found it yet. And I was like, well, okay, that is a reason. Um, and if your reason is going to be that it is a magical sea, then I will accept that. But you do have to explain that a little bit. You've got to, you know, say some things here to make it believable. Well, there you go. See, I completely missed that part. I was like, why are they walking on this very shallow water? <laughs> yeah, it's, it could... it, sorry. It's, it's called the Shattered Sea, but it's literally just like 
some sand. I don't, it I must be it. shattered in other parts, I guess. I don't know. Sand is little pieces. Maybe that's why it's shattered. I, again, yeah, they've got some concepts. They wanted Willow to have some cool taglines. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, it, it just didn't feel right. Yeah, and I, I really liked the, the part that, like, makes me a little bit upset is that I actually kind of like the story. I was there was some missteps and there was stuff that I was like this is weird and needs to be written but like the story outline as a whole I actually kind of enjoyed. I liked that they really later on focused on the fact that the reason Willow, <laughs> you know, uh, banished Bav Morda was just a pure pure luck. Right. I liked that they hit on that because I felt like if they had done this and he had just been, you know, the high Aldwin, a great sorcerer, it would have felt fake. Right. Um so I, I like the story as a whole. It's just the every other aspect of the show was horrible, and they didn't know how to get there. They didn't know how to make these people talk. It was just bad. Right, and you know when you come to you get the episode where Willow with the fun beard goes back to see Sorsha, <laughs> and uh, you know the flashback scene, and she just tells him flat out, "You're not a great sorcerer," and then you kind of feel bad for Willow. Well, then at the end, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not." Like okay, well, yeah, and then in the next episode, the next flashback is him trying to kidnap Alora. <laughs> like he's literally trying to steal a child just because he's bitter, right? And then you know, but by the end, again, now they show they kind of show a montage type thing, you know, where they're training and stuff. So I guess there's a little bit to it, but they sure seem pretty powerful at the end when all of a sudden <laughs> all she had to do was watch her um, her friend from the Spider Man movies disappear. And, uh, yeah. you know, all of a sudden she can do magic like there's no tomorrow. Now, granted, I know that there's a unlocking a power trope, you know, and that sort of sure. thing and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that kind of finished it off. And then it was like, you know, just a, the, the the magic light battle, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So. I, the one thing I will say is I thought all of the CGI was horrible in this. I, I like, like, some. you're right, the creatures looked cool. Um, like the guy with the birdcage on his head, he looked pretty interesting. But then I think there was another... Uh, of his homies who was like black and white. And I, I think it was like the, the final sting for one of the episodes when they reached the immemorial city. Um, and it literally just looked like the green suit that, um, Charlie day wears in it's always sunny when he's oh. the green man. It was like, this is horrible. But other than that, I thought the the characters look good, but all of the effects, like the, even the rocks falling, the magic, the barrier, everything just, it was not good. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like, I mean, they obviously put some money into it, and it was ILM that did it, of course, because it's Lucasfilm. I don't know. I thought the way, so one thing I did kind of like was the way the um, the super creepy lady at the end kind of moved around. She, You know, she was a skinny looking thing, you know what I mean? And I thought that that was kind of creepy, but again, that's creature effects, right? Right. Uh, now I assume that that's digitally done, what they're doing with her and stuff. So, I, but um, and I would, I will have to say that um, it looked like towards the end, you know, some of the action was kind of played out good. Now the action, when we talk about the sword fighting and stuff, I feel like they uh, they did kind of take from the original movie. You know, there's there's the element of the, uh, and I think of uh, uh, Drunken Master you know, Jackie Chan and stuff, right. Where you're kind of fallen into d doing the block. Right. Right. And that kind of thing, or you're, you're just kind of moving and stuff. Now that's the kind of stuff that I thought they did. They choreographed pretty well. Um, but yeah, and then, 
But then she gets her little suit thing with the <laughs> yeah. arm, that, blade that comes out, and this yeah, that that didn't quite fly with me either. Yeah, but, uh, well, it was it was the same complaint we had at the end of Willow when Mad Mardigan <laughs> took Eric's sword. It's like that's not that would not be an effective weapon. <laughs> no, just the way you're holding it. Don't feel like you get the force with it. So. Yeah. Um. It it speaking of Mad Mardigan, Val Kilmer's absence was very was very obvious yeah especially i mean they talked about mad mardigan literally every single episode mm-hmm. it felt so weird that there wasn't even like a flashback yeah they couldn't they could have digitally de-aged or done some kind of magic with the old film um they did um what i read was that he was slated to come back which i don't know if i would have wanted him <laughs> with the in the condition he's in I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Um, I think he could have made an appearance. Maybe, you know, they would have done it in the story somehow. But due to COVID restrictions in the UK and everything, he didn't want to travel right. um, at the time. Um, and I did notice in the trivia, I, I, I believe that the, the actual voice they use isn't uh, isn't his. It's his son's. Yeah, I just looked that up, too, because I was curious. <clears throat> but they, so, which is kind of interesting because I know they've got technology. There was this documentary recently about him. And because of his... Uh, I think it's throat cancer. You know, we saw him in Top Gun. He he has trouble speaking, right? And in this documentary that they did, and they just shot it recently after he had his things, there's a lot of narration. And what they did is they used the AI voice type stuff to recreate his voice. Mm. And then they made it read all these things. And some people were a little freaked out by that and stuff. So I kind of thought maybe that's what they did, that they used that technology. But no, I guess they just grabbed his son and made him talk. <laughs> right. Um yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no, about the the, a, the AI. We're back to AI again. Of course. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool tools. Like, there's one that I saw called like Eleven Labs. You could upload like 90 seconds of of an audio of just anybody talking, and it sounds so close. It's huh. real weird. Yeah, that would um, be interesting. So yeah, I was surprised that they well they eventually had done that, then but... you can just type out your podcasts. Yeah, and just <laughs> upload it. And <laughs> well, I mean, I, whether your typing is it feels any easier than just speaking, I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> um, there was one other thing. Oh, we were t- we talked about um, Flash Thompson from Spider Man. What is his actual name? Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Revolori played Graydon Haster. I liked him. I yeah. really liked his character. He was cool. It was interesting to see this, like you know. He was a prince, but he he had absolutely no confidence, and he didn't find out. And then he realized later on he you know killed his brother. <laughs> right. like, he he his character I felt had the most development and actual depth to their yeah. story. And then at the end, you know, by the end, of course, he's pining after Laura Dannon, which we kind of could see that you know what the second or third episode is when it started. Yeah. Right? Um, but then it is interesting how they kind of got him into the. Uh, the magical realm and that sort of thing where they kind of nudged it that way too. So I am kind of curious, you know, because he knowing that he's a spell caster and then he gets teleported that other place, which of course you think he's gone, but we knew he wasn't right. It should be uh, interesting to see if, if they come back, whether he's uh, what his character can do. Cause I did like him. <clears throat> and of course, you know, he's in the Spider-Man movies, which is fun. So, mm. but yeah, his was a good character. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, like we talked about Borman. Um, who else we got? Um, well, we talked about our um, um, Falcon Winter Soldier girl and uh, Kit. Now, Willow, of course, there were a couple times where I felt that um, 
he was a, he didn't quite seem a little on. And that's why I started thinking that maybe it was the direction as to why some of the lines weren't landing. Because I don't think his lines were landing very well either. Yeah. And I've seen him, and again, I, I go to the the uh, behind the scenes, and I've seen him in other things. Like like I mentioned, he had his own little uh, uh, fake reality documentary, mockumentary kind of show, and and he was really good in that. You know, I, I've seen him do better, so that's why I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You know how how that how that uh, all worked out, and how much of it was directing and editing and and that sort of thing to kind of make it feel a little clunky. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that it might not necessarily be him then, because that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, geez, Warwick, step up your game, dude. Like, you're the famous one here. I I mean, I guess we can definitely see that this project was a passion project for a few people. Him, of course, you know, because he wants to get the character back. And then Kasdan, um, his father is Lawrence Kasdan, who, you know, did Empire Strikes Back and worked with Lucas on all kinds of things. Um, and, um, and he had, it was his passion project. And what I read on the trivia was that, um, getting Ron Howard on board to take over solo was actually, I don't know if it was contingent on or included bringing Willow back too. Mm, okay. As Ron Howard's show, you know, cause of course he was the director of the original movie. Now I don't know how much hands on he had here. He was in the behind the scenes talking about it. I imagine he's just more of a producer role or something like that, but uh, right. One absence I felt in the documentary was there was no mention of George Lucas at all. Oh, really? I mean, other than the fact that he did the original and all this stuff, and he's got a writing credit on all eight episodes. But I don't know if that's just a you know story creator kind of thing or created by thing. Yeah. Um, but IMDb Lucas has got writing credit, so I don't know how much he was in or you know how much he was involved or not. I I'm not quite sure on that. Yeah, that that that's interesting that he's not <laughs> really involved. So one um, other thing I was going to mention, we talk about through lines and stuff, and towards the end, Willow is, um, you know, worried about his daughter, right? Which, incidentally, I noticed was played by his real-life daughter. Oh, really? Is what they were saying. So uh, Mims is a character name. I think they, I thought I saw somewhere that that was his real-life daughter. Yeah, Annabelle Davis. Yes. And... Um, you know, he had this flashback to her or this dream of her, you know, and stuff. And then he just, well, he does the mad market and mad get it just abandons her. Now, granted, it would take him forever to get back to her. I understand that. And he's got more pressing things right there, you know, the <laughs> right. end of the world and stuff. But um, that that plot line just kind of disappeared. And, you know, like I say, maybe that's the um, the plan for season two is that he's showing up and something's happened there and that's the adventure for season two right yeah i did see a um i think it was a tweet by the um kasdan fellow jonathan kasdan um you know obviously the the, one of the reasons we were talking about this is because it had been announced that it was canceled right well he came out and said it's not officially canceled (laughs) he said it's wait it was it's not officially canceled but it is officially not canceled um (laughs) And I saw some speculation that a lot of people are thinking it's so open-ended because there's some speculation that Kathleen Kennedy is going to retire as head of Lucasfilm. And so they're leaving the door open to hope that they can get their trilogy in under new leadership. Um, And I know that he said that he's already written season two and it's supposed to be... I wish I had... I should have had this pull I think the quote was it's in development, right? Season Um, two is written and in development? Yes, and I think he said that it was supposed to be darker 
and that Mims was going to be involved in every episode. <laughs> okay, so there you go. You're right. So so that's where we're looking at maybe that, that storyline is coming back, I suppose. And what did he say? So he, it did say, well, at least on IMDb, the quote was that uh, it's it's uh, second season is written in development, but they're taking time off to allow the actors to pursue other interests or something. Right. Which, yeah, that's great. Which wonder, makes me wonder whether they've got contracts lined up for the next season and, and who's going to change, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. Um, I like, I do hope Erin Kellerman stays on because I do like her a lot. I think she's really good. <laughs> and I like that Jade character. You know, she was a, a running theme throughout this whole series was that everybody is just shirking responsibility mm-hmm. <laughs> and jade was really one of the only people who was like no it is my duty to protect you to save the world to to be a knight she was one of the only ones who was like i have a responsibility and i need to live up to that right because obviously the whole impetus for kit's character was that she was like you're picking out my clothes for me what am i six <laughs> right <laughs> i mean she was just like, horrible she <laughs> didn't want to be involved which i respect you know i I can i can only imagine you know having to live that life but then at the same time it's like you're not just living this to live this you know you are the heir to to a kingdom right you have certain responsibilities that you need to live up to right Uh, and that yeah that from the very first scene i was really turned off from cat or kid it definitely i mean like i say it um the story, like you said, the story has the inklings of, and I, and, um, throughout the, by the end of it, I was kind of thinking to myself, like I said, this was a passion project by Kasdan and he was super interested in the tabletop role-playing game, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So my thinking is, is that back in the day, he had this cool storyline all set up and him and his friends played through it and it was awesome. Right. And now let's make a series out of it. You know, that that's the way it feels to me. And when you're doing that kind of thing, obviously, you know, when we're playing D&D, the story changes and, and doesn't feel as cohesive because that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, maybe having a, a through line, but it, it's also about opening up, um, opening up avenues so we can take the story this way if we feel like it. Right. Right. And that kind of thing. So so tabletop role playing isn't necessarily as as much as it is uh, storytelling and planning things out. It doesn't feel like it's the best way to plan out a series because the whole point of tabletop role playing is that you leave yourself open to play other things. Right. Right. To do other things and to go this direction instead, you know, and that kind of thing. And by doing that, you don't necessarily have uh, as much of an episode structure. But here, like I said, it, it felt like. We didn't have an episode structure, right? We we oh here here's this old place where we were at one time, and here's this other old place, and now we got to go to this sea that for some reason we have to take a boat. Well, then we got to not take a boat, you know. And so, so yeah, it's, yeah, and that was why it didn't quite land. Even though, like you say, the overarching story in the world I think is interesting. So I'm hoping that if he says that uh, second season is going to be darker and um, you know it's written and it's built off of this, then, then I'm not feeling too bad about it. Maybe I'll come back to it. I'm not, like I said, this season didn't land for me, but you know, I don't hate game of Thrones because some of the last season didn't land for me either. Right. Yeah. So, so so there's still a possibility if it comes back, I'll, I'll keep watching it. 
I won't necessarily rewatch it, <laughs> but I'll keep watching it. Yeah, I am interested to see. Well, yeah, like you said, I, I the world is still interesting to me, you know, and I I have the same sentiment that I did at the end of Willow, only much more um, negative. Because <laughs> my sentiment at the end of the movie was, the movie's not that great, but it was fun, and I like the world and would like to see more. I feel the same about the series, except that it's infinitely worse than the movie. It's still interesting, um, and you know, it was clear from the the final scene that he does want it to be a trilogy with three seasons, right? Um, so, and hopefully, it is actually darker. <laughs> hopefully, they tone down a little bit of the comedic relief aspect and and actually add some character development in there. Yeah, well, and I wonder, you know, that final scene where they showed uh, uh, Flash Thompson show- getting up. And there's all the bodies around. You know, one of the things, and I was just kind of thinking about it, there's all these bodies laying around, and then there's, off in the distance, when they show the wide shot, you actually see the giant two-headed monster from the Willow movie, which could be either a nostalgia thing, or it could be that this is the, you know, the land of death or whatever (laughs) that he's at, and now he's got to come back, Well, which automatically is some kind of a dark dark theme if we're dealing (laughs) with death. So so I'm kind of curious how that's going to go, but then... You know, could that also bring in uh, old characters as well and stuff? But I don't know. Like I said, the through lines I like to see, you know, I want to see what happens. I want to go back to the Nelwyn village, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I they... did like the idea uh, uh, of um, Warwick or uh, Willow saying, you know, we the worm is coming and we need to build our, our army, you know, or something like that. Whatever he said. That, yeah. again, those two things there kind of make me want to see what happens next you know yeah yeah no, yeah i'm very curious and about the nelwyn village i would like to see a little bit of what actually happened there because they they touch on it you know willow says we had to move underground because i don't know any magic <laughs> he's like i'm not a sorcerer because i couldn't protect them so we had to move underground and then they talk about something that happened with his wife and um son but mm-hmm. then they never explain it i think all they say is Kaya, oh man, I wish I could remember, but he wasn't there to protect Kaya, and then his son blamed him, and he ran away, and that's all they say on it. Right. So that I mean, you could get some uh, some Nelwyn drama there, I suppose, um, if we've got recurring characters coming back. But the the flashback he saw. So there were two things, and and again, maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. But the flashback was his daughter in trouble or whatever. Whatever that was, that dream he had was his daughter in trouble. And she said, we couldn't let him in or I tried not to let him in or something like that. And then didn't he say something like somebody came back? There there was some kind of thing where where somehow he knew somebody came back and he was changed. So I wonder if that's um, his friend that was with him. And the, oh, Silas, the, the, yeah. the, the creature, the, uh, the bad guys, you know how they turned that night, right? You know, maybe that's what happened. That's you know? a good point. So that's why I was, I was like, I was, I was pretty disappointed. We didn't get more of that, you know, some yeah. kind of a follow up on that. But yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually a good point that he could have been quote resurrected or whatever and gone back and terrorized the village the, I had interpreted as just like, well, sort of what Alora said is that it was just the crone giving them visions to sort of try and split them up. That's a good point, too, yeah. Yeah, it could be. He could have... Because, you know, we didn't see anything. We didn't didn't see him, like, bury his body or anything. They just sort of left him. (laughs) But then again, there's also... I mean, unless you're just trying to hurt Willow or something, there's no reason to go after the Nelwyn village, 
or unless we just need drama. So Correct. Yeah, good point. <laughs> there was one other character that we haven't touched on yet that I do kind of want to talk about, and that was Eric. We previously mentioned him um, slightly, but one for starters, it obviously bothered me a lot that everybody kept calling him Eric. Um, no, he's named after a guy from the movie whose name was Eric. So say his name right. <laughs> say it right. Um, but he actually was a really – he was one of the few characters who I thought did have some interesting personality. Because obviously in the beginning, you're supposed to assume, oh, he's just the womanizer. Um, but then when he gets taken, immediately before that, he's like, no, kid, I'm – I have a responsibility to you. I'm never going to leave. I'm here for you. Um, and then later on, he is the only person <laughs> for quite a while who is able to actually resist the crone. Right. Everybody else, they hear the whisperings and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Let's get involved here. Let's follow these visions or whatever. Let's try and open this door in the case of Borman. Um, but Eric was the only one for quite a while who was like, nope. Scary whispers go in the opposite direction. And he did have a sense of responsibility. He knew that he had a duty. He just, because he was a screw up, hadn't been, it hadn't been given to him, but he knew that he needed to step up. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He, he knew he needed to do something. He didn't have the ability to because he was kind of being a screw up or, or, or that sort of thing, or it just wasn't in there. But yeah, when, you know, I, I do have to say, I mean, the turn at the end was a little predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's back to normal at the end. So I want to see more out of him right. before I make my decision on that character. Um, to me, uh, like you say, he w- I didn't look at it as much like you did that he was uh, resisting. Because that, that makes it a better character for me, thinking about, about it that way. But to me, it was like, uh, okay, we go back to him and now we're stalling a little longer. Right. right? You know, and, and we're just filling time with this character who's wandering around, not doing anything. And then he'll be the bad guy and, you know, and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. It, it was interesting to me because your first instinct when you have a character like that, somebody who is, you know, doesn't really care, just sort of, you know, hanging around, you would think that they would just sort of succumb right away to the evil because the crone would could be like, you know, you're going to be king, you're going to do this, and you'd be like, oh, that's everything I've ever wanted. It was interesting to me that he was able to be like, nope, <laughs> and not just, like, stay there, but literally he just walked out into the desert. Right. You know, and I think that that was an interesting thing about him, is most people, I feel like, at the very least, you know, wouldn't even have said no, let alone walked out into the desert with no food or water or anything. He was like, this is wrong, I got to get out of here. Right, yep, yeah, it definitely, yeah, it was neat. It was a good thing that it took more, you know, it shows his strength of character and stuff and how much it must have been at the end to to really break him or whatever that drinking that stuff was. Yeah, they They're need really, to explain that Well, too. it's something from the worm. And yeah, he described it as milk. The, yeah, the amniotic fluid or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I was not into that one at all either. But Yeah, yeah, that was so weird. Oh, Yeah, there's so much stuff in this show that I was like, it could have been really good, but you just didn't say anything about it. Well, see, now if you'd get into Dune, then maybe it's kind of like the spice. The spice will flow, but I'm not going to say anything more in, in order to... Uh, uh, ruin that series for you so there you go i think that was some stuff about that was delayed too maybe a, a prequel series was that what it was i know that they've got all kinds of i, I know at one point they had a series plan too which I, I i don't i don't hate that idea i like the idea in this case that the movie the two-part movie kicks it off 
and then it becomes a series. Just knowing what happens in the books, I think that would be better played out as a, you know, a Game of Thrones or Expanse drama type thing. Right. Right. Where you've got little thing, you got things happening every episode that that and and political machinations and stuff. That's what that series is after you try to do the big the 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 big movie. You know, it is arguably what the first book is too, but they keep trying to make these adventure movies out of it. Um, but um, I think that that would lend itself great to be the next great. You know, what Game of Thrones was to begin with. You know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. that would be interesting. That's that's the same thing that I hope they do with the um, I can't remember what it's called, but the uh, Wonder Woman TV series that a, that the DCU is putting out, something of Themyscira, I think it's called. Mm. But they describe that as a, a, a Game of Thrones style political intrigue. So I hope they. I remember I, that announcement, but I hadn't heard anything about yeah, it. So. I really like that style of show. That's super interesting to me. I love these long you know, slowly developing plot lines. Well, the expanse is over. I would recommend that one. I would, that, I would also recommend the books. The books were amazing. Uh, the, the show does a pretty good job with the books, even though I, it compresses down the, the finale, the final couple books a little bit in order to fit it into the seasons. But that one started out on sci-fi and then moved on to, uh, and then Amazon prime bought it out. Okay. Yeah. That was, what I was going to ask. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I might have to watch It's a, it's, isn't it like seven seasons it's, or something? It's either six or seven. They're really, I mean, like I said, now I can't remember the first seasons. I don't think they were, because it was sci-fi, so I don't think it's like Network 23 episode seasons. Right. But yeah, it's really good. And, and like I say, I liked the books um, along with the, because I actually did a, a thing where I kind of, I watched the first few seasons of, or first couple seasons of The Expanse on Sci-Fi Channel Live. And then I kind of went away from it, and then I went back to the books, and then I went back and watched the series, and and it ended up with the series kind of coinciding with the books as I read them. So right, but yeah, I like the books. Um, they give you a little bit more to things than the, than the series does. But. Sure, yeah. Um, so we always talk a little bit about the cast. Um, naturally, this is Lucasfilm, so we do have a lot of crossover with other things. One that stuck out to me is this guy uh Junis Suotamo definitely pronounced wrong mm-hmm. but he played it in this someone who I don't know uh the character is titled The Scourge <laughs> so oh, presumably so one, one of the those bad guys. creepy dudes yeah and he he is the new actor for um Chewbacca oh okay so he's uh The Scourge is the big guy with the uh the the uh cage on his head right that he must that's be. good that's a good point yeah. i hadn't I uh, hadn't put that together. There is another option for that guy, though. Um, the Doom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. The Doom. Um, now I don't know. <laughs> and the Doom is played by Daniel Naprouse, who is Darth Vader. Oh, okay. The Daniel Naprouse. Okay. He's still around? I guess so. Or he's a... Again, yeah, I don't know who the Scourge is. Um, well, yeah, then that's that must be completely different. So, Because um, there there is a... Uh, uh, behind the scene, in the behind the scenes, there's a dude there, um, and I, and it's just a quick clip, but he's like, "Yeah, George killed me in Indiana Jones. He killed me in uh, Star Wars, and he now he's killing me in Willow." You know? so, <laughs> so I think there's a there there is some recurring characters there, like we said. But um, I'm trying to look through the the images on IMDb to see any of the bad guys. Oh, here, this looks like a guy. Yeah, so this is a... this is the Doom, Daniel Naprouse. Okay. Did this guy have any role? I don't remember 
anything about this he guy. He climbed up and looked creepy on the boat one time, I remember. Oh, okay. Because he was right, right in there. Now, is that the guy with the whips? There's somebody at the beginning that's got the cool, the bad guy with the whips. That's, oh, that's that a good point. fighting. They kind of, the only reason I remember it is because they called it out in the making of, because uh, Joanne Wally Kilmer, or maybe she's just Joanne Wally now, uh, she was, uh, did her own stunts, you know, fighting off those whips and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. I think that is the whip guy. I think you're right. Okay. So Darth Vader has, wait, which one was Darth Vader again? Darth Vader is the whip guy. Yeah, Darth Vader has the whips the Chewbac- and Chewbacca. Chewbacca is the, the, is the cage uh, guy. <laughs> cage-headed guy, which stands reason because he's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are These are actually kind of cool posters. Well, and that's why, you know, that's the thing. You watch the behind the scenes, you watch the um, the trailers, and you get pretty excited. You know, <laughs> yeah. they they did a great job of marketing and getting people interested and that sort of thing, but it just fell flat. I mean, I so I told you a while back, probably back when we talked about the movie. There's a, a series of podcasts I listened to, um, and there was a gentleman on there who was a Willow fan. And he had a uh, female co- uh, co-host that uh, had not seen him. So they did like four or five episodes leading up where it was, okay, let's talk about Will. And they're D&D players, right? So he said, let's take these character names and you tell me what they're going to be, right? And and so they did all these weird lead-up episodes. And it was kind of fun. And then they did like the first two or three and um, where they actually did their normal what this podcast does is they take an episode of a show and they recap it. I listened to a ton of game of Thrones time and stuff like that. They did their, that thing where he's all excited about it. And he's talking about all the little nuances of Willow and stuff. They did the first three episodes and then I never heard from him again. (laughs) So it's like they, they set up this show to be such a thing, you know, and it is because it's Willow. Right. And, uh, and it gets, gets such a following and then just fell flat. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely, Looking at, at the marketing, they definitely marketed it, marketed it, it <laughs> That's easy as, to <laughs> as though it was going to be a, a legit sequel to the Willow movie, and it really wasn't. I mean, like all of the the promotional material looks like the the like the poster for the original movie. The trailer made it look like it was going to be this epic high fantasy, mm-hmm. and then you get in it, and it's this weird like teen drama. Yeah. Which really sucks. <laughs> but hopefully they fix it for season two. We'll see. Um, any final thoughts? I don't think so. I think we, we, we put a nail in this coffin. But like I said, baby, it'll rise from the dead and we'll get another season. You I, know, normally when they talk about it'll get picked up, I think of it getting shopped around to other uh, streaming services. But that's not that's the case for Lucasfilm. <laughs> Lucasfilm ain't going anywhere. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Maybe that's just, uh, like you say, Kazdan trying to be optimistic. So. Yeah. I, I do hope it does get a second season um, because obviously the first season was horrible, but they left it so open-ended i mean the biggest cliffhanger you could ever imagine right um and so i want to see how that finishes out but the at the very even further than that you know him saying that it's going to be darker maybe he's just saying that to drum up some publicity and hope that people get behind it enough that they or to respond to criticism yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so you know i i hope i hope they do come with a second season we'll see i'm not gonna hold my breath (laughs) Um, but yes, that will be all. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with some friends so that we can uh, continue to do this because we enjoy it. Um, but yeah, with that, I suppose we will catch you next week. 
I should have edited the episode on a really horrible cliffhanger like the see you just did. <laughs> well, we just have to put books up on the